Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning, church. Thank you for welcoming us into your homes once again. I just want to say thank you to um, the media team for being here and having all this set up. It looks amazing. Sound team, you guys are amazing. And uh, this, we have a new set here. And uh, I think it looks pretty good. So thank you, Harmony and Bree, for coming yesterday and getting all this set up. So we're coming at you live. We did um, some pre-records the last couple weeks, but we're coming at you live this morning. And uh, I think that's kind of more in line with our DNA as a church. Um, just that the Holy Spirit moves in that moment. Of course, that can happen through pre-record, but we really uh, love to do this live and just be in the moment. And man, God's presence was so strong um, here this morning. I, I don't know about you, but I, I needed this. I needed uh, what the Lord had this morning. And so, yeah, thank you guys for, for welcoming us in your home. Um, I want to mention that uh, we have our, our next conference call uh, with the governor is going to be uh, Tuesday, May 26th. Hopefully, we'll get some good news of what June will possibly look like. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to start meeting in some capacity here back at the building. Um, we don't want to go against, of course, uh, what the authority in our state is saying, but... Um, this made me laugh this week, but it was Ben Miller who said this. He said, you know, we start off with the stay-at-home order and then the safer-at-home order, and if they don't throw us a bone, we're going to move to phase three, which is don't ask, don't tell. Okay, so <laughs> don't ask, don't tell is phase three. But uh, no, we're not going to just blatantly you know, fly in the face of what they're saying. But um, I do want to encourage you, you know, right now the current guidance is 10 or less, and if you're if you're not afraid to go out and you're not afraid to meet with people, I'd take advantage of the 10 or less. And if you're leading a small group, um, I actually want to encourage you small group leaders, um, during this time, um, if, if you're okay with leading, I'm going to ask you to continue leading and meet with people um, who are comfortable meeting and who aren't you know, afraid. And if you're at higher risk, obviously, and you need to be more careful, we totally understand that. There's no, no condemnation or anything like that. But we want to try to be here for uh, you as a church um, in this time. Um, so, but this coming week, we do have a couple of exciting things. I want to reiterate the announcement that was made that we're going to have an all-church Zoom call on Tuesday, 7 o'clock. We miss your faces, so we just want to have a time to connect with you. We'll do a short time of worship, and Emily and I will speak a little bit. And then you're going to go into breakout sessions, and you'll be able to pray for one another, connect with one another. And so that's going to be a fun time. We'll see how that goes. We haven't done that yet, so hopefully that goes great. The other thing I want to mention this week, um, that's something to look forward to, is I did a, um, a Zoom call with Pastor John Stocker, and uh, I recorded it, recorded the Zoom call, and I asked him a bunch of questions about this pandemic and how does it relate to Bible prophecy and much, much more. We covered a lot of, covered a lot of ground. And so it's, it's over an hour of content and we're going to release that um, this Wednesday. So we're going to have it up on our YouTube channel and we're going to also have it up on the podcast. Um, disclaimer, it is a recording. The internet's not perfect. So um, it can be, it's a little glitchy at times. It's not, and, you know, it's back and forth between us. So um, check it out on the YouTube channel. If you just want to hear it and not look at the back and forth, then you can uh, go ahead and 
um, just check it out on the podcast. So yeah, I asked a bunch of questions about Bible prophecy. What does this current pandemic look like um, in relation to Bible prophecy? So it's really good content. Um, and for those of you who don't know who Pastor John Stocker is, he was the uh, senior pastor at uh, um, Resurrection Fellowship for like 32 years. He's been in ministry uh, for 50 years. So he's a seasoned veteran, has a lot of Bible knowledge. And so uh, take advantage of that when it comes out um, this Wednesday. I have a short teaser that we're going to play for it. So go ahead and roll that teaser. One of the big questions people had uh, for you, and um, how do you see this pandemic in relationship to Bible prophecy? Um, and some people ask, is this just the beginning of things? Is there more to come? Uh, how do you see it in, in the Bible? Well, oh, now, now, now you're pushing my button. <laughs> um, okay, um, multiple answers uh, to uh, multiple questions. First of all, how, how do I view this? You know, in, in 2 Timothy... Uh, all right, so hopefully that was a sufficient amount of bait to, to get you to tune in. Um, that's where we're cutting it off. You didn't even get the answer, did you? All right. That's called baiting right there. All right. So on that note, today, I actually want to take a few weeks, and I want to talk about end-time events. I want to talk about Bible prophecy. I've had a few people, since we started the church, kind of request this topic. Um, but the title of our new, new series um, is called God's End-Time Strategy. Okay? I want to propose to you that God does not just want us surviving this season, but God wants us thriving. I want to propose to you that in the end times, wherever we're at in that spectrum, that God doesn't want you just surviving. He wants you thriving. Okay? And he has a mission for you. God has a mission for you, a very specific mission for you to be attending to during this season. Um, I've been holding back for the past few weeks to kind of get my bearings on this whole pandemic and what's going on. Um, but a lot of people are interested in this kind of a topic right now. And so we're going to go after it. Um, but if I'm being honest, um, Bible prophecy in the last few years um, has not been a major uh, focus in my teaching. Um, I think it's important. Um, I just haven't felt led or compelled to teach on it a lot. Um, I used to teach on Bible prophecy quite a bit back when we, Emily and I first started in ministry. I used to teach on Bible prophecy a lot. And in fact, I was talking with someone this week and they were telling us that when we first, they were part of our ministry when we first started, they were telling us that to their recollection, this was a major focus um, of our ministry when we first started. But um, over the years, I, I kind of taught less and less on Bible prophecy. And there's two reasons why. I want to give you the two reasons why. Just to kind of give you some background, this is more or less an introductory message to the series that we're going to be doing. Um, the first reason was, uh, at the time, my end times theology um, was kind of cemented. And I kind of like, I know, I, I know what's going to happen. I have this idea. And, and then I started talking and hearing from different Christians and Christians in different camps and other denominations and hearing their different takes on Bible prophecy and end times. And I realized that some of the people who saw it differently than me, I realized that some of their points were actually very valid. 
Um, in fact, I heard, I heard some teachings and I was offended by them. I was like, no, this is totally wrong. But then the more it kind of warmed, warmed its way into my mind, the more I thought about it, I'm like, they're actually making really good points. And so I say that to say my end times view and end times prophecy has kind of, I guess, been a little bit in process the last couple of years. Um, now, um, I'm talking about Christians who love the Lord. They, they have a genuine love for the Lord. They preach the gospel and they long for the return of Jesus. I'm not really interested in hearing um, someone's perspective if they don't love the Lord, they don't want to preach the gospel, they don't believe in the infallibility of the scripture. But I am interested in hearing people who bring out scripture and make valid points. And that's kind of what's happened to me uh, over the last few years. Um, so some of these people differ on their interpretation of certain scriptures. And I, I don't think it's fair to just tell someone they're teaching a doctrine of demons if they believe a, something a little bit different about a passage of scripture. So I guess I realized I needed to approach the subject uh, with a little bit more humility and love believers who weren't uh, looking at things exactly like I was. Um, I, I recently heard someone say that uh, the millennial reign of Jesus is a thousand years of peace that Christians love to fight about. <laughs> a thousand years of peace, Christians love to fight about this thousand years of peace, okay? Um, a, a few days ago, I watched, because uh, I'm gonna get in my head in this a little bit more, I watched a, a two-hour debate between three pastors who were all part of the same denomination and all had some slightly uh, variations on their views of the end times. Okay, they were respectful towards one another, but man, guys in the same denomination believing different things about certain passages of scripture. So uh, one of them said in the, in the, uh, the debate there, he said, um, he re if he's wrong about his end times view, he reserves the right to change his mind midair. Okay, so some of you will get that means, right? I reserve the right. If I'm wrong about my view of end times, I reserve the right to change my mind in midair. All right. So one of the biggest differences um, when it comes to Christians and what they believe about in times is really centered around the second coming of Jesus. When is that supposed to happen? When is the second coming of Jesus going to happen? And if you don't know anything about the second coming of the Lord, I'll explain that here in a minute. But some people believe that the second coming of Jesus will, will happen before the millennial reign um, or during the millennial reign or after the millennial reign. And then you have your Pre-trib people, you know, Jesus come before the tribulation, mid-tribulation people, post-tribulation people. Um, so you got your pre-millennialists, post-millennialists, all these different camps, all these different variations of what people believe on the end times. Um, I, I once heard Joyce Meyer, a, a woman who I respect, her Bible teaching, I once heard her say that she, of all those camps, she's a pantheist, which means this, in the end, it's all just going to pan out. Okay. As long as I love the Lord and keep my focus on him and I'm on fire for Jesus, I think it will pan out. So I, th I personally, I think obviously one of those interpretations is right. Maybe, maybe there's another one. Um, I think the, it's not so important, you know, which one you are. You're, you're, what's more important is what is your devotion and your love to Jesus? What is your love for this Bible, for this word? Okay. I think that's more important than if we have the exact you know, interpretation exactly, okay? So that's reason number one, why I kind of shied away from it. The second reason why I didn't teach on Bible prophecy as much is because I saw people majoring on the subject 
And I felt like in, in many ways, it was actually became a distraction from what Jesus wanted to do in that person's life. Not everyone, but, but there are some people, I feel like they just got so distracted with end times that they stopped giving, they stopped witnessing, they stopped loving people, they stopped serving the lost, right? They stopped planning for their future, okay? And so people become so obsessed with their charts and their graphs and their predictions of the Antichrist and conspiracy theories that it's like, you're not even being effective in the kingdom of God. And so I'm like, let's be effective in the kingdom of God. Let's let our fiery passion for Jesus stay, stay number one. And so I kind of shied away from it for those reasons. So, um, but how many know being prepared for the return of Jesus doesn't look like just sitting on your hands? Being prepared for the return of Jesus is not you just, you know, sitting there looking up, okay? Um, I felt like the mentality that a lot of people had was to hell with the world and to heaven with me. It's like, oh, these people are all these sinners and it's getting bad out here, but thank God I'm going to heaven. And it was like to hell with the world, to heaven with me, and I don't care about this place. I don't think that's a message of hope that we're supposed to be bringing to this world. I think the message of hope is Jesus still wants to save people. Jesus still wants to redeem people, okay? And who knows where we're at on the, on the, in the end times timeline. We do know that we are in the last days. Because technically, Peter said in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit. Well, guess what? The Holy Spirit was poured out in the book of Acts 2,000 years ago. We've been in the last days since 2,000 years. Obviously, things are escalating. We're getting closer and closer. So um, I, I would say this, any end times view that does not center around loving Jesus more, overflowing into loving others, and a love for the lost, um, I think should be rejected. If, if the main focus of your end times view, your end times theology is, I need a bomb shelter and stock up on ammo and, and food, if that's the main thrust of your end times view, I think it's off, okay? I think the main thrust of your end times view should be focusing and loving Jesus and doing what he has put in front of us to do. Can I get a witness? Okay. So I just wanted to make sure I was preaching in a way that drew people into intimacy with the Lord. If you're studying the end times, you're studying the Trinity, it should make you love him more and it should overflow into loving others. Okay. So... Why now? Why do I want to preach on it now? Well, people's interest is really spiked right now, and it is important. It is in the Bible. And one of the reasons I'm thinking a lot about it now is that I see a lot of genuine believers. They genuinely love the Lord, um, and I think a lot of people are getting pulled off of what should be our main focus. Okay, I, my goal in this series, whether it be three, four messages, two, three, four messages, um, is to refocus us, is to get us on what we should be focused on. God has a strategy for you to stay on fire for him, to be effective in this world, and to change the world through you. Okay, He has a strategy for you. Um, the past few weeks, um, I've seen a deceptively subtle um, yet profound shift that kind of concerns me. Um, originally, when this pandemic broke out, we, we talked a, uh, a great deal to people who were like literally afraid, afraid to get the virus. And to that end, we ministered a lot. We prayed for people who were just in fear and how to, how to not have fear and how to get through this and not be fearful. Um, people were afraid of contracting uh, this disease. So 
um, at that time, there was a lot we didn't know about the virus. It was um, one of the biggest problems was the unknown about it. And uh, my wife and I, um, we personally know two people who were honestly not very old, honestly pretty healthy people, not like, you know, all kinds of pre-existing conditions. We know two people that literally like came really close to dying. They were on ventilators for a long time. And so, um, but having said that, so there's sort of some danger involved. Having said that, the more we've learned about this virus, I think the more at ease people have become, and for good reason, for good reason. A lot of people become at ease. If you have, you know, pre-existing conditions, obviously, you have reason to be a little more careful. Um, but here's the subtle twist that I saw. Okay, I'm going to pick on some of you today. I saw people who, they didn't take on a spirit of fear that they were going to get the virus, but then, in my opinion, Satan dressed up the spirit of fear, put some different makeup on it. Okay, it was, okay can't get you with fear that you're going to get the virus, but if I dress this up and put some makeup on it, maybe I can get you afraid of a bunch of other stuff. What am I talking about? Some of you are going crazy right now that the one world government is trying to take over and the Antichrist is right here. Okay. Okay. Some of you are freaking out. Now, you need to calm it down. Okay. Calm it down, you guys. Uh, let me tell you something. Bill Gates is not the Antichrist. Okay. Dr. Fauci is not the Antichrist. Stop it, okay? Besides, we already know who the Antichrist is or was. Jane Austen, clearly. Clearly Jane Austen was the Antichrist. Oh, okay. I got, I got uh, some size in the room here. Okay. All right. So I challenge you to find one scripture that says we're supposed to be focusing on who the Antichrist is. Some of y'all are obsessed with this right now. By the way, please stop sending me that stuff. I get so many Facebook messages, text messages, stop sending it to me. I'm not singling anyone out. This is like, I w in my honest estimate, there's probably 50% of our church is kind of like, you know, afraid of some conspiracy right now. Um, okay, so you're probably wasting a lot of time and energy, you know, getting in on all that stuff. Do you realize that during this time you could probably you could probably learn an instrument with the amount of time you're spending on some of this stuff. You could learn a foreign language, you know. Uh, you could get in shape, actually. So you're spending time focusing on things that don't matter, okay? And I believe many of us have played right into the enemy's hand. You've traded a spirit of fear for a spirit of fear, okay? Because why? Look at the fruit. The fruit is this. There's fear, there's anger, there's anxiety. All these things are manifesting because of your focus. Okay, so calm down. Now, um, is our government acting perfectly? No. When, when have they ever acted perfectly? Okay. Um, in some cases, I think maybe in New York, they didn't act fast enough. They probably should have done more earlier. And in some cases, they're probably overreacting. But how many know that what is needed in New York City, the population density is very high there. What is needed there is much different than what's needed in like North Dakota. And so um, these states, we're figuring it out. There's a, there's a pendulum of, we're trying to figure it out. And we're, wherever you're at on the pendulum, uh, different states are in different places. And some of them are overreacting, obviously. Some of them need to loosen the guidelines a little bit more. Some of them uh, maybe should have acted fast enough. But they're not trying to take your guns, okay? They're not trying to take your rights, okay? I said it there. 
Maybe there's certain politicians that don't want you to have your guns, but this is not like a gun grab, okay? Boom. All right, so what do I want to do? I want to help refocus us on God's strategy for the end times. What is God's end times strategy? So over the next couple weeks, I'm not going to give you charts. Um, I'm not going to give you charts. I'm not going to give you graphs. Um, I want to give you practical teaching of what Jesus said to be doing in the end times, okay? I want to give you three truths about the end times, and then in the next few weeks, we're going to get into this a lot more. Three truths about the end times. Truth number one. Truth number one. Jesus is coming back, okay? Truth number one. Jesus is coming back. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, it says this. Beloved brothers and sisters, we want you to be quite certain about the truth concerning those who have passed away so that you won't be overwhelmed with grief like many others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, we also believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have died while believing in him. This is the word of the Lord. We who are alive in him and remain on earth till the Lord appears will by no means have an advantage over those who have already died. For both will rise together. Those are very great and encouraging words to give people who have lost loved ones, okay? Verse 16. For the Lord himself will appear with a declaration of victory, the shout of an archangel, and the trumpet blast of God. He will descend from the heavenly realm and command those who are dead in Christ to rise first. Then we who are alive will join them, transported together in the clouds, uh, to have an encounter with the Lord in the air, and we will forever be joined with the Lord. So encourage one another with these words. Okay? Jesus is coming back to this. Is this, I need a microphone. Okay. All right. Thank you, sirs. Did we mention, check, check. Did we mention we're live? Okay. There's pros and cons to being live, by the way. Okay. Where am I at? Okay, the scripture I just read, 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 4, verses 13 through 18. This is what's known as the rapture of the church. Jesus is coming back to take with him. This is the ingathering of the saints. We're going to be caught up into the air, taken up, snatched up. It's, it's the rapture, okay? This is the rapture of the church. It's all over in the Bible. Uh, let me read another scripture. Matthew chapter 24, verses 30 through 31. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. By the way, this is Jesus speaking. And then all the people of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on, coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will, be, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Okay? Jesus is coming back, and he's going to gather his elect in the ingathering the of the saints, the rapture of the church. Jesus is coming back. That's point number one that I want you to remember today. That's an important point, by the way. He's literally coming back. Okay. Point number two. No one knows when. No one knows the day or the hour. Let me read this. Matthew 24, verses 36 through uh, 44. It says this. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as, for as it were in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating 
and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding in the mill, one taken and the other left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know what day the Lord is coming. Okay? You might have your charts and your graphs, but if Jesus said he didn't know when he was returning, I think we don't know. You don't know, okay? No one knows the day or the hour. Yes, maybe we can be discerning of the season and the times, but no one knows the exact day or hour. Whenever someone makes a prediction, like Jesus returning August 23rd, you know, whatever, they make a date. It's like, that's one sure sign. You're like, you don't know what you're talking about. Because no one, Jesus said, no one will know the day or the hour. In fact, I would say the one thing we know is that most people will not anticipate it. Even people who are ready for the return of Jesus will not anticipate it in the sense that it's today. Our hope is this. It's like, maybe, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe next year. We want to be ready. You don't know the day or the hour. Look at this. Uh, Matthew 24, 44, it says this. So you must also be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. So I think a lot of people are expecting him right this second. Well, that's maybe an indication that he's not returning right this second. Um, it will be like it was in the days of Noah. They're going to be eating and drinking. I don't know about you, but I'm not able to eat and drink everywhere I want right now. I'm doing a wedding in a couple weeks. There's only going to be like 10 people in the room. So business is not usual at the moment. So maybe that's an indication that he's not coming back immediately, although he could because he doesn't take his marching orders from me. <laughs> so point number two, no one knows when. No one knows the day or the hour, okay? Let me give you the last truth that I want to give you. Last truth. The Bible teaches us how to be ready for the return of Jesus. Thankfully, we can be ready, and the Bible teaches us how to be ready. All right. Matthew 24. I'm not going to get too deep here, but I'm going to just read Matthew 24, verses 1 through 3. It says this. Jesus left the temple and was walking away with his disciples when his disciples came up to him to cause attention to the buildings. Okay. So the disciples are like, Oh my gosh, look at this temple. Look how beautiful it is. Verse 2, do you see all these things, he asked? Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left upon another. Every one will be thrown down. Verse 3, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Okay, what I want to point out here is this. They asked Jesus three questions. When will the temple be destroyed? Question number one, which, by the way, happened in 70 AD. That was fulfilled in 70 AD. When will the temple be destroyed? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Those are three questions. <clears throat> what most people, I think, don't realize is that Jesus starts answering those three questions, and Jesus does not change the subject for two chapters. He just keeps going after it more and more and more for two chapters. I think a lot of people, so Matthew 24 and 25, he just goes after it the whole time. I think a lot of people read Matthew 24 in the context of end times. And then somehow they get to Matthew 25 and think the subject has changed and it's about something else. But what you need to know is he continues the same thought all the way, Matthew 24 through Matthew 25, and he's addressing the same subject. What I want to propose to you 
is that Matthew 25 is God's end-time strategy for you and for me, to keep us on fire for the Lord, to keep us focused, okay? And so I'm not going to give you charts and graphs and this and that, but I am going to, I want to really break apart Matthew 25 and show you what Jesus was saying and how to be ready in and out of season for the, for the coming of the Lord, okay? And that's what we're going to do the next few weeks uh, for, for preaching. I'll conclude with this. You and I, whether we're right at the end or we're somewhere close, you and I were made for such a time as this. You are specifically made, what God has put specific gifts in you for such a time as this. Now, let me illustrate this. How many know that Michael Phelps was made for the water? The guy had long arms, right? He was made for the water. That's why he, one of the reasons why he did so well. Uh, Alex Hunold was made for the big walls. That guy has these really strong hands, really wiry guy. He was made for the big walls. Albert Einstein was made for physics. That guy had predictions about gravity waves 100 years ago that were just confirmed in the last couple years. Like, we just figured out how to measure gravitational waves. Okay, that guy was made for physics. He was made to solve problems. Abraham Lincoln, he was made for politics. He was made for a nation in crisis. Okay? The bride of Christ, the church, was made to thrive in the face of adversity. You were made to thrive in the face of adversity. You were made for such a time as this. Okay? You're not misplaced. You're not a fish out of water. God has, ex has you exactly where he needs you. Okay? And so we're going to dive into talking more about the end times, but we're not going to do it and get our focus off of our mission. We're not saying to hell with the world and to heaven with us. We're saying, let's go after our mission. Let's go after what God is, wants us to do. And let's fall in love more and more with Jesus. He's amazing. Amen? We're going to keep our focus on him. So that's what we're doing over the next few weeks. I want to pray for you, and then we'll close here. Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in our lives, Lord God. I pray, God, that we would be in tuned, in tune, God, with you. God, when, I pray that we'd all ask the question, God, what are you doing? What are you doing in my life? What are you doing in my life right now? What are you doing in the world right now? Lord, give us discernment, God. Give us discernment and give us peace, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. I bless your people today. Amen. I want to speak to one more specific group of people before we close, and that's those of you who have never placed your faith and trust in Jesus. One of the first thing, really, you need to do to be ready for the return of the Lord is to give your life to Him, to give your heart to Him. And maybe you've never made that step. You've never made that commitment, okay? I want to tell you how to get right with God. How do you, how do, you, how do, you do that? Well, listen, it's by grace through faith. You place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. And when we do that, when we invite Him into our life, He gives us a gift that we can never earn, a gift that we can never deserve. It is the gift of righteousness, the gift of salvation, the gift of knowing God and Him coming into our lives. So it's not by cleaning yourself up, doing a good job, and then look at me, God. No, it's by, it's by grace that He will save you. All you have to do is call upon Him. So I want to pray for you. If you're at home, wherever you're at, and you want to place your trust in Jesus, repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of the Most High God. I thank you that you are coming back to this world. Today, I place my faith and my trust in you. 
Jesus, I give you my past, my present, and my future. Be my Lord. Be my God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Awesome, church. We love you guys. God bless you guys. And have an amazing week. We'll see you next time. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church, where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.